podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. It's transfer window time and we certainly can't believe anything we read. It's the day trippers. of our preseason pods in the back of a pair of matches in the US which have posed more questions than they've answered. Tonight we're delighted to be joined by the Anfield Raps dynamic duo of Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons to talk about Make a Stream, the book they've just launched. We'll also check in with Chicago resident and our tripper man at the match last night, Paul Gilligan. He'll be filling us in the vibe in response to the tour in the States. In the implausibly hot bunker tonight, we chat tangentially around the aforementioned topics. We have bike theft victim and childish Twitter terrorist Paul Brennan and the Dale Winton-Simon Cowell hybrid that is Phil Casey. Okay, first up, let's talk about the ongoing US tour with Paul Gilligan, who's a Chicago resident and saw the game last night. Paul, you're very welcome to the show. What, what was the atmosphere like last night? You know, was it surprising to see a lot of Reds around the place? Um, were you always aware that there was an LFC community? Uh, you know, the general kind of buzz. Is there a media presence for the club? Uh, how have you found it in general? Well, overall, there's a, there's a actually pretty decent uh, uh, Liverpool supporters club in Chicago. Um, there's... Uh, They've got a, a residence, a spot that they, they meet at. Okay. Um, I know the bars overall yesterday, uh, there was a lot of the journalists uh, going around to different bars and trying to get closer to the stadium. And I think they were blown away with uh, seeing uh, all the Reds in and the sing songs in the, in the pubs and everything going on. And, uh, you know, it, overall, it went, it went uh, over very, very well. Like there was Red all over yesterday. It was, it was uh, a great scene, to be honest with you. It was... It was uh, Nice to have Liverpool in Chicago for the first time in God knows maybe ever. I don't even know if they ever played here before. It's been a, been a long, long time. At least not in my time over here. So sure. <clears throat> have you found as well that there's been a bit of media coverage uh, that, that you know that's been noticeable? Like, I mean, is it basically? I'm wondering. Like, they're over there to raise the profile of the club, and for commercial reasons, is it is it, is it looking successful from that regard? 
Yeah, definitely, because uh, there was a lot of talk yesterday then with the with the delay in the, the game before that. And I just looking in on the on the Twitter feeds and everything and people going nuts about uh, the game not being uh, the first 10 minutes of the game wasn't being shown. That was very irritating, uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there was just, just the uproar about it. It was all over the place, you know, through Twitter, through all the other social medias that are out there. And, uh, you know, uh, I know I know for, for a fact that uh, there, there was the big TV audience yesterday. Um, I didn't get exact numbers on it from, uh, I'm sure they'll release them today some, at some stage, but I haven't seen, it, haven't seen them yet. But, uh, you know, after the World Cup with, uh, with the, the way the U.S. national team went to, I think there's the, the whole, let's call it soccer, as I like to call it over here. Uh, the, the whole profile is, is definitely raised. And, uh, you know, the coverage over here has been really good, too, for the last three or four seasons, too. You know, it's very hard to not see a game. So, you yeah, know, you're, you're, you're almost better fixed than we are in some ways. I mean, it, between the various channels there, the the, 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 the kickoffs. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a match, a match that's missed, really. Like, you know, I, I suppose the, there is the timing of the matches at times is a bit of a pain in the ass for you guys. But um, what, what, so basically, would you, you know, your impression from over there is that like this kind of thing is a bit of a success. I mean, what do you think about taking the team so far away? Clearly, there's upsides and downsides for people yeah. like yourself. Well, uh, Put it, personally, I like it because, and I think a lot of the Reds over here likes, the, like, uh, you know, I, I suppose the the California inside Reds and the ones that are two hours again behind us. Yeah, there a lot of those guys traveled in too for the for this weekend, and and probably did did holidays around uh, the 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 tour. You know, so they come to Chicago, they go, they're going to New York or Charlotte or wherever, Boston for for last week, I suppose. And uh, so a lot of those guys sort of plan around the tour because we know about the tour six seven months in advance in most cases you know and uh at least four or five months in advance um but the overall buzz i suppose is is it's 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 the coverage is really really good here Hmm. uh the time zone thing yeah it's a bit of a pain it's a pain if you want to go see a live game and and you know i'm a good you know hour away from from the local and everything but uh you know, to, to go down and meet up at all the all the Reds and the Liverpool Sporters Club. And I've done it three or four times and everything, and it's a great atmosphere. Uh, you know, you feel like you're sort of part of a little small uh, Red community when, you, when you're part of that. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's just the profile of the whole game over here. And, and Liverpool overall is really good. And I suppose if you look at the other side of it is, they used to go to the, the uh, you know, to, well, they still do, I suppose, to the Middle East and, and uh, Asia, South, South Asia and stuff. And, you know, that's equally as far away, if not further away, than, than yeah, jump, sure. jumping across the pond. You yeah, know? absolutely, absolutely. Paul, talk to us a little bit about the match that you saw yourself. Um, you know, who who impressed you? What were your your the, your, your the thoughts you came away with? The strongest thoughts you came away with after the match uh, from yesterday's game? Yeah. Uh, the one thing I came away with, and and I was sort of sitting looking at it, uh, uh, just off the halfway line, and. Some of those counter attacks yesterday, the speed, like breakneck speed, that yeah. one where where Henderson and and uh, Markovic and and Sterling were involved. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, it was lovely stuff. That thing was so rapid, it was unbelievable. It was just one of those things where, you know, it's hard. I suppose when you see it in in in, in front of your eyes, and I watched the game back this morning, and it doesn't look as as good on TV as it was in the flesh. Mm. It was just breakneck stuff and was unreal. Like the speed in that team is is unbelievable. The one little (coughs) query I probably do have is, or fear I do have is, uh, or we lack a little bit of power. Now, I suppose we saw that from from Chan, and we've seen him in, I suppose, the first uh, two games over here. 
that uh, man, he's he's a powerful looking unit, I suppose. But uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's one of those things where Markovic is a little very slight guy, and and obviously Sterling's not the although he's a strong little guy, Sterling. But you know, you wonder about the power and 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 uh, off the team because Brendan just seems to be going mad on on this pace, and he loves this this rapid sort of fluidity that the the transition does. So you know, uh, that's my biggest fear about it. I suppose the overall thing was. Uh, to some good performances, I thought uh, Sturridge looked very good. Um, in in and even watching it back, like he did an awful lot of things. I suppose we weren't used to seeing him do last season, where he was sort of like a lone guy up front and was waiting for support, and he held the ball up relatively well. He yeah. got knocked over a few times. I saw, <clears throat> and there's a few other things. I suppose with uh, you could tell like uh, heavy-legged guys like Enrique looked very uh, uh, heavy-footed. Uh, you know towards the end of the first half and, and a couple of the guys that were just coming back that didn't look uh, as as fluid as, as as you'd probably like to see them, I suppose. But uh, hmm. overall, they were very compact and, and, and you know, looked very secure. Uh, uh, I watched an awful lot of Henderson, like, just following him and seeing what he did. And the guy is amazing. Like, he truly is an amazing, amazing guy to watch. The amount of work and pressing that he does on the ball, it's unreal. That's the joy of, of, of live watching, isn't it? As you say, yeah. you can fall around like your own kind of camera. Uh, yeah. Paul, Paul in the studio here, Paul uh, Paul touched on Markovic there and his impression of him maybe not being as powerful as uh, as we'd have liked. What was your overall take of him um, from the match last night? Um, I didn't think he was particularly brilliant, but it is like it's only pre-season. He's only uh, gelling into the team. Mm. Um, he looked maybe a bit like he was trying too hard sometimes with the dribbling. He could have played it a bit simpler sometimes, but there were some great moments. The counter-attack that Paul mentioned with himself, uh, Sterling and Henderson. Mm. It was himself played the, the ball into Sterling's feet. And uh, I think Sterling just, just failed to find Henderson, but it looked intelligent. He, he played the ball straight in, into Sterling's feet. And ran round the other side when while Henderson crossed over to the yeah. left as well. I thought so. I think there is. He do, obviously we know he has a lot of potential. Yeah. It just he he does look maybe a bit raw. And yeah. um, he like he obviously he could iron that out quite a bit in preseason because it, it is where you get a lot of your rustiness out. But um, you, yeah, you're, I just you're, you're very you're very reasonable and measured, which is nice to hear in comparison with some of the utterances that we were seeing on WhatsApp last night from the, your man over here. And we left. What was your nickname for him there, Phil? Just to remind you, the, the listeners, would you like to would you like to tell everyone? Benny Markovic. Benny, Mar- why is that? For <laughs> I just thought when he ran, he ran like somebody out of the Benny Hill show. He was like, you know, when you speed up somebody jogging, it's like, it, it like yeah, he has a small gait. So when he goes, his legs are going like a hundred million miles an hour. And I was like, the floppy hair as well as it, as it just goes. So he's an instant right off. Then he's obviously got a flop. <laughs> oh, fl- fl- floppy floppy hair and a dodgy run. Floody's written him off anyway. Floody's written him off anyway. Floody written him off before even seeing him. I was like, now I know players. <laughs> <laughs> All the players, <laughs> uh, Paul. What do you think? Like, is is it, like from what you saw there yesterday? I know, like, it's basically two teams. You see, isn't it really in those friendly matches? Yeah. The, uh, you, you talked about the, the the speed and and in transition and that kind of thing. Was there anything else that looked like you thought? You know, we're, we're obviously going to play a different style now. We're going to have to play a different style with the absence of Suarez. How did you think that attack was looking? Or what what potential did you see from the players that you you, you got to witness yesterday? And who would be your front three, I guess? Well, if I was to go front three, obviously Sturridge. And uh, see, I sort of see, I think that my feeling, unless to sign somebody, my feeling is that they're going to push Sterling a little bit further forward this year. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to see him maybe playing a little bit off Sturridge. So hmm. he's, he's, the one thing about Sterling is he's, he's un- unbelievable at tracking back. Like I watched him yesterday too. And, and 
you know, his work rate is really, really good. And, and I think that's one of the sort of uh, morsels of, of, of Brendan's uh, sort of uh, attack. It's sort of like, you know, defend, defend from the front. And if you lose the ball, track back, track back, track back sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, the other side, I don't know where we're going to, how, you know, Coutinho has to sort of nearly fit in that team by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where Lalana fits in. I don't know enough of him. I've seen him obviously plenty with Southampton over the, uh, the last year and a half, two years. Um, he shows flashes of being really good, and he's that sort of Brendan-style player. But he's, I don't know if I, I drop Coutinho over, over Lalana. Do I think they'll spell each other? Probably. Um, Paul, tell me what you thought of, 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 of Lambert, because again, there's been conflicted views here amongst our, ourselves with the chats we've had. How did he, how did he come across? Because like, let's be honest, he didn't have his finest hour there um, in, the, in, the, in the match that you saw live. Um, how, like, was, was there anything that you could see, some intelligence off the ball running or anything else for people to hang on to? I think what he's good at, I think he's, a, I, I think he's an intelligent player that I think will be able to hold the ball up. And I think he's got a knife for a pass too. And I think he tried a couple yesterday that didn't just come off. Uh, very well for him. Um, he's not afraid to have a shot himself. Uh, we saw that in the Boston game too. And but he looks laboured. Like he really just he just doesn't look like he's. You know, you're looking at a team with with the attackers around him that are they're moving at a million miles an hour, and and he looks like he's just uh, you know. Uh, coming back from the beach, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, did Did you get to see the Roma match as well? You did. Uh, I yeah, obviously on TV. I didn't. I didn't see it live. But sure. It on, on TV. Well. I, I don't know. Call it preseason if all you want. That was that was that was hard on the eyes. Now, in all fairness, it was, you know, yeah, I, yeah. Did you see development? Do you, th- do you think there was a little bit of development from one match to the next? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, you know, I think you're looking at you're looking at such a you know you've got eleven players for the first half, and, and it's such a huge transition then in the second half. I suppose. Um, I suppose the highlights from that game. I thought Coutinho looked really impressive. He looked like the the best player on the field by by a million miles. Yeah. Um, uh, in the Roma game, uh, there was a couple of things. I suppose we saw we saw our, I suppose our first view of Emre Chan and and uh, what he brought to the table. And I suppose the the highlight for me was was him dropping the shoulder and going on that little rampage down the yeah. down the wing was was uh, impressive looking. And the, the only other thing I could think of, just in case you asked me about that game, uh, <laughs> had had to be had to be Adam Phillips and his cameo. Yeah, had to be. You know that was that was a thing of beauty. You know, two footed lunge that was like about half an hour, <laughs> ha, half an hour, half an hour late. Yeah. And uh, but the best thing about that whole thing was that uh, Adam Phillips thing was you saw Henderson going over and and protect him. And like there you go, there's your, there's your future captain there. In my opinion, you know, yeah. the guy's just like you know f off you and you know he's giving plenty of lip to the guys that are trying to chirp at a the sixteen year old kid. You know, and he's there like a. Uh, Godfather protecting them, you know. Yeah, and Phil, Phil, that's a good point that, that Paul makes there about about the team spirit and the emerging team spirit. We saw it over the course of last season. Um, is this one of the benefits of these trips away? Do you think that you do get a little bit more bonding going on? I think, like again, we we had incredible team spirit last season, um, and it builds up. I think results also breed, breed team spirit because mm. you, you you feel like you can't be beaten, and the more wins you get, the the more close the team get. If the team are losing, you'll see more people getting on each other's backs. There'll be questions then about the team spirit. It's all a natural part of it. Um, yeah, when you go on these type of tours, like let's not cut ourselves. The friendly games at the end of the day, the you know the the, the results don't matter as much as a, as if it's a league match. Um, to the players, they just want to get their. Fit 
fitness up. The manager's the same. He's the same way saying, look, we've got minutes under the belt. You know, we've got this, we've got that. And, and the most important thing out of here is that we move, get another step closer to being ready for the start of the season. To go back to the matches, like again, I'm looking at them saying, okay, who's challenge, who, who's who's strengthening our first team from either the, from the from the emerging players that that we want to see coming through, or that's coming back and looks like they're going to make a step up again from what they performed last season. And you know, Sterling again, we've seen a guy come off the back of an incredible six months, um, and he's taken that form into the in, into the friendly game that he was in last night. Like you know, you're looking at a guy who's progressing and 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 is continuing this progression. He he doesn't look. We're talking about we, we've lost Suarez and straight away. He's the one that's scoring for us last night. He he's so alert and he's so quick. He storage miss hits a shot and he's there. And even though it wasn't a clean strike, he's he's doing that thing that that, that you want from all goal goal scorers in the spot at the right area. If you want, and I, I'm not a particular fan, but there was a definite hint to Michael Owen esque in terms of the way he got into the position, used his pace, got in there, and just got the, the defiant touch to take it into the net. It doesn't need a great connection, but it just needs a decent connection. Mm-hmm. Um. Emery Chan, you know, I've watched we watched him in the first game when he when he played the twenty minutes or so and he was bossing that midfield against Preston. He, he comes into this game, and again last night he he's he's everywhere. He's just everywhere. Like he's 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 covering the left back. He's in the centre midfield and he's bossing the midfield. That's going on, as Paul said, he, he's a unit. Like you know, if, of all the signs that we've made, he's the most Premiership ready in, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's knocking players all, all over the shop. Even for the the, the great chance that Markovic has in, in in the first half, he wins the ball back, knocks a fella out of the way and creates the space for Markovic to be able to exploit and get into the box and you were hope, I, I would have been hoping in, you know, in a couple of weeks time Markovic burns that into the, into the bottom corner into the top corner and, and into goal um, Markovic I thought he had a, a poor 30 minutes and I thought there was a bit of nerves there I thought he was, his touch was poor I thought he fell over a bit um, but at the same time he actually came in he came in fairly strongly in terms of the, his last 15 minutes he showed a lot more of what we were expecting those really as, as Paul said the explosive burst that he had with Henderson you know there was, a, there was that burst through as well where he uses pace he looks a flyer he does need a haircut because I, I, I can't I, I can't <laughs> persist with a man bob you know if it's long it's long a, a, fine a man bob a man bob yeah okay. you know there isn't even a feathered look about it at all it's he just... looks sort of like Aquilani mixed with feather or something <laughs> yeah, I, am, like... I am beginning to sway to you I think yeah he's a flop already <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you had a headband or something like, I'd probably be able to get around it or an Alice yeah, band or something it's just band, it's yeah. the lack of, of anything it's just a proper man Bob mm. if, if you know if you, had, if you had slightly wider hips now and I was looking at it from the back you know the, you could get confused so I, 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 that's, that's what scares me a wee bit right so um, on, 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 Henderson just he he may as well have never taken a, a minute off. He just takes up from where he left yeah. left off again. Sturridge looks rusty, but Sturridge always looks that when he comes back from the first couple of games. You've seen it when he came back from injury. And um, but again, he's there. He's he's the most prominent part of our attack, and and he shows what we need. We need something else like Sturridge in that team. We can't afford to go in with just Sturridge, Barini, and Lambert as our as our front three options. We need right. something else. I thought um I thought Sturridge has a good all round game except for his finishing. Mm. Like I think he, yep. the two shots the. Obviously, the miss hit that Sterling took away, and there was another one where he cut in and blasted yeah. it high, wide, and not very <laughs> handsome whatsoever. Yeah. But um, I think I thought his work rate was brilliant. I thought the way he held the ball up, like you, you saw the tackle. Yeah, your man did on him because he couldn't get around him, <laughs> and he just like lifted him out. But like it was ridiculous and a friendly like. But there's a, a good few moments like that where he brought people into play and he drifted out wide, and that's what we're going to need from him now. Now that's what now that the team is being built around him. Because he does have the ability to do that, and he just needs to do it to show for the ball a lot. Yeah. Yeah. While, while you're on there, um, moving back to the far end of the field, was there anyone that made a case there for you? Like, 
you know. Uh, yeah, Glenn, Glenn Johnson made a case for it to find the biggest skip that he could be thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody said that the reason we don't go to the Alps anymore in case there was a chance they'd drop him off at Sanitas or something. <laughs> Jesus wept. That's shocking. Uh, anyway, serious football question to you, Paul Brown. What we what, what anyone make a case? Martin Kelly, for example? Did he... Mark, I thought he did well when he came on. Like he's a he's a strange one because he's been around for years now mm. and we can't seem to get a full season out of him. And like sometimes he comes back and he, he looks like the rustiest man in the world. Like mm, he, yeah. he looks like he needs to be oiled or something like that. <laughs> but like yesterday, I thought he, he, I thought he played fairly well. I thought most of the defenders did. Positionally, I think the defense did fairly well. There were still a couple of moments where, like, I think our defense is still really like prone to panicking. Yeah. When, mm. when you know if a ball gets put over them or anything, mm. there was one time where. You know, we kind of stopped Olympiacos' attack and they came back and one of their midfielders just dropped it into the box and I mean, there was just pandemonium. Yeah. I think I think that was when Enrique just about kind of took it he off. He took it off Saviola's toe, toe. Yeah. 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 And in fairness, Enrique had torn it off. Yeah. Uh, unusually, that's uh, fucking unusually unusual, so, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I know, Jesus! <laughs> that's that's, that's full, so not like Jose. The, the, the starting fullbacks, well, Glenn Johnson's a risible waste of everyone's time, so I won't go into him. Um, Enrique was, he was, like like Paul said, he he's one of these players that's kind of stodgy when he comes back. Looks like he has to shift a, a timber whenever he comes back from pre-season. Yeah. I remember, I remember, uh, yeah, Rogers' first season when we were in America as well, and he came onto the pitch. And I was like, what pub is it? What wedding has he just <laughs> onto his pitch? But um, they, I think the centre back Skirtle did fairly well. A couple of nice interceptions and blocks, and Quades I thought was very good. worth a go for you. Is he going to be worth a go? Um, There's a theory that he's on his way out. You know? Yeah, he, he does seem that way. He does. I think he's putting up as good a case as anybody else yeah. is, really. On this tour, to be honest. Sure. Yeah, yeah, especially even as a backup. Because like, we know, obviously, he's really, really slow. But positionally, he looks really good. Mm. He looks. He, I think he's a good tackler and he's decent in yeah. the air. He, Not, made, he, made, he made a great tackle. Remember when Joe Allen gave the ball? Um, yeah. He played a, a true ball to the, to the Greek lad. And Coate showed a good bit of recovery pace, which I wasn't expecting. And just got the tiniest of toes to take it off your man. Mm. The forced him wide. And then Jones was able to get a touch on the ball as well yeah. and knock it wide. Like, yeah. I thought that was really impressive because we'd seen him before. I, I mentioned it last week when, when Rogers lost faith in him. It was when Lassina Traore did him over in, in Russia, right? And it was similar like that. And he was just left dead. And it was yeah. great to see a good recovery pace on him as well. It was good for his confidence as well, regardless of what happens with him or whether he's part of the plans. It was good to see a young centre back, you know, get getting some confidence and showing a bit of form. Yeah, and I remember, I think he was one of the, he was part of the Oldham massacre, wasn't he, mm. where himself and Skirtle got absolutely bullied in the air. Yeah. And uh, what's got like, that was, you were kind of wondering, well, what's what's he good at then if, he, if yeah. he's not able to deal with a big man when he's, when mm. he's huge himself? But he looks a bit more assured and I thought, like, I, I don't think he was out of position once all game. No. I thought he played really well. On on Enrique, you're clearly not keeping up the tabs with the with the selfies. That man has not got any timber on him at all. I tell you, and I, he's, yeah, I, he's well, eager to show it to you as well. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I, I don't follow him. I followed him on Twitter. I had to unfollow it. Like it was just it was just getting too for mad. your sanity. Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul you, having seen the game live, Paul, what did you think of of Mister Jones in the goal? Is he is he someone that you're going to be very very happy to see there as the go to guy? Should uh, something happen with Minule? Uh. You know what, Jones is—he's been—he's been, he's been uh, one of those fellas that uh, over the last couple of seasons he's he's done really no, nothing wrong in, in in the preseasons and as few outings as he's got. Um, is he what you want for for a backup? You know, is he is he up to that level? I don't know, but you know, he's he he seems sure enough, I suppose. Mm. Um, but once again, I think I think 
if if he was playing the first six or seven weeks of the season, I think we'd be you know we'd be shitting it a little bit too, wouldn't we? <laughs> well, like that, that's 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 exactly the question I'm asking. Like even ba- based on on seeing him up close and personal, would you indeed be a little bit shitting it if you if if he had to start the season because Minnie was crocked? I would, I you would, would. Pers- and, per- yeah, and that would that would imply that you'd like to see coming in someone coming in there. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like I think it's a, going back a little bit. Uh, I think shop window time for him, and maybe even just for Quattis too. You know, maybe it is shop window time for them and and you know like i was happy to see quarters looking looking well yesterday but you know the bottom line is is how many center house do we need we have jesus 106 six. Yeah. yeah 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 like it, it was funny it's funny i was just thinking earlier on like what's our lineup going to be two center backs hendo in front of them and and seven attackers that's really sort of the, you know the feeling that we have or is it going to be the other way where we're going to play five center halves and, and <laughs> yeah, four up front you know? Yeah, yeah. I, so. I, I think Brendan played four once and it didn't go down awfully well. Um, it was against Southampton as well. Yes, <laughs> so then we brought all the Southampton players. I did wonder whether the Dennis the Menace kit was going to look good, right? And I was actually surprised at how well it looked on yeah. the cameras. I don't know, Paul. What did it look like up close? What's that look like live, uh, Paul? I, if, I wasn't the biggest uh, non fan of that. Uh, third kit I actually liked it from the get-go so okay. um, I, I was one of the few that like uh, I had no problem with it and uh, compared to last year's uh, abomination I think it was uh, <laughs> anything, anything, anything looked good you know yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know but uh, yeah you know I agree I was worried about the keeper kit too yeah. I thought that was going to look bad like you know very much for that but that actually looked quite good too yeah, I right. just I, I do have one one thing right yeah fastening the button no. 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 Yeah. No, no fasten the button. No. Because no. it makes that yellow button stand out. Yeah. That's not good. That's I don't want to see a yellow button on a black, grey and red kit. Like it really is the leftovers from the from the purple and yellow stuff from two years ago. It's Definitely. Like, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Paul Brown, you like you like uh, you like you've stepped in goals on occasion, haven't you? What do you think of that stripey affair that uh, Brad was wearing last night? I can't even remember what he was wearing. Last really? Time. Was it? Is it? Was that the grey one? It's kind of grey and grey stripey with gray the sort of red. It, it make a nice rugby jersey. Yeah. Oh, I didn't really fancy it. Just out, um, yeah, because I didn't really make that much of an impression. I can barely remember it. <laughs> just it was late again. I just, I'll, I'll borrow a phrase off you. I think he's he's the most is what he is keeper you could get. <laughs> just like you know, if yeah. you if you boot a ball down the center of the goal, I think he'll get something on it. There's no yeah. guarantee that he'll catch it, but he'll usually get something on it, and it might kind of go back out into play or whatever. Yeah. Like I don't think he's I don't think he excels at any part of the game. Yeah. He's just kind of like he he can make saves. You you know you don't know where the ball is going to go or anything like that afterwards, but. Yeah. I don't think he's like brilliant or anything no to be fair I think that was an Andy Young phrase um, oh is it to, to give the man the credit that sorry Andy there. Uh, what do you think Paul uh, looking forward to the, ne- the remaining games of the US tour um, we've got City don't we on Wednesday night um, towards the night I think it is oh, is it or maybe it's what, towards the morning it's a professional podcast here it's, we it's, have, it's, folks, it's you know? midnight <laughs> it's midnight Wednesday here so there you go that's Thursday. it's zero zero o'clock <laughs> If you could all just turn off your various listening devices so I can just apply a beating here for a second. Um, Paul, uh, I was in the middle of asking a question before your man started getting all fussy about GMT. Um, what, 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 are you, what are you thinking? Uh, are you hoping to see more of a kind of concrete lineup and maybe lead from that into how you think this season's going to start and whether or not, you, whether or not you're, you're optimistic about the start we have given the fixtures? Yeah, I'd like I'd like to see, I suppose, uh the core of what we think we're gonna start with. Um I think like I watched the the or saw highlights of the city game this morning. Mm. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched I watched the highlights of it and you know, they had a sort of a, I don't think they've any of their internationals really back yet. No. Yeah. Um, they had fake Sterling playing as well. 
Fake they had yeah. fake starting fake starting score too. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, 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 with his with his little hair 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 color too, the little shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, you know, actually, uh, Joe Attack I think looked 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 a deal yesterday too, and you know he's uh, when they add him in with uh, Zeko and 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 Aguero and it's scary, and, isn't it, Paul? What? It's scary. Uh, yeah, it is. It yeah. is. It really is. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I, I'd like to see, I suppose, a core of um, what we started with yesterday mm. and see if they can gel a little bit more. And and mm. I, th- I the one thing about yesterday's game, I thought with us, I thought we sort of sat a little bit deep, and I thought they. The, 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 we were very compact at the back, and we I just thought we didn't move the ball like we were used to seeing them at the end of the season. And I know it's early, early in the preseason here, hmm. but I think once we get a little bit more fluidity from, uh, you know, that defense to to, to uh, through the midfield and, and and through the lines and and get that going. So I'd like to see probably a lot of that uh, first uh, half uh, team again. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I just I think I read a few minutes ago. I think Lovren's on his way over too. So we probably mm-hmm. won't see him until. Uh, and we probably won't see him on this tour at all. If whether he's coming over or not, they're only here for another week anyway. So mm-hmm. um, if he's but, on Remy, if he's on Remy's plane, <laughs> <laughs> and Origi's playing, it's like he's <laughs> never going to get there. Yeah, yeah. Never that, that ever going to just went around in circles. <laughs> Hot air balloon just wandering around the globe in the jet stream. <laughs> I reckon that, that that lineup that we used in the first half, though, I think that could be something he goes for in a lot of the big games. You think? With, yeah, with. Uh, Chan and Henderson yep. closing out a lot of the space yeah. and just try and rely on the front three really and the maybe the odd burst from midfield. Would you not see Coutinho in that front three instead of Markovic, for example? I think Coutinho's maybe, gonna... yeah. Sorry, sorry, I, I think sorry, I think I think it, I think that's the midfield he'll go for though yeah. a lot of the time to, yeah. to keep it really kind of keep a lot of legs around Gerard mm. and, and then if. Like if they can get forward, but try and rely on the speed up front as well. Mm. I thought it was create inc- the problems. I thought it was incredible at times when you when you watched that when 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 Olympiakos went to break the speed that Henderson and Chan were able to get back around Gerard. Yeah. Mm. So he was yeah. never exposed. He yeah. got he was never exposed to 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 the counter attack from from yeah, Olympiakos at all. And you know it's something that you know we complained about when Lucas and Gerard was in there that we used to be left wide open, yeah. and that yeah. just didn't happen yesterday. Like you can see Coutinho playing. I can see Coutinho in that team instead of say Markovic and and. and and playing, as Paul said, you could push Sterling upside storage and, and play almost with Coutinho as a 10 and with the other three because Chan is well capable of being able to cover the flanks and also cover in the midfield. And, and if you have Henderson, he can do the same on the right-hand side as but well. But Phil, today we heard uh, Brandon say that he was asked a question about Jack Robinson. He said, look, he'll get his chance. And if he takes it, that's great for us and it's great for him. And the... I don't know, it seemed to be almost as if Brandon was doing a hodgy and kind of lowering our expectations a little bit about who might be coming in there because obviously we've got the other man that we spoke about before. Now, if it is Enrique and if it is Johnson, and I think most people roll the dice and say it probably will be, those two boys you mentioned midfield are going to have their fucking work cut out for them, aren't they? <laughs> Let's be honest. They're going to have to cover into those corners and cover track runners. And Yeah, but that, that's why, at the same time, to just offset that, like, that's why with the legs of Henderson and Jan, it means that it takes a lot of pressure off Gerard, so he can sit, he can literally sit there and cover those, cover those corners. Yeah. It's, 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 it's asking Gerard taking another step in terms of progression of playing as that, that player that's in front of the defence. And hopefully he can, because in fairness, he, he, he took on the role quite well last season from when he did it and you know it is it is possible that he'll grow 
grow further into that role because he under, he, he's not worried now about being exposed when he has the two lads in front of him. And even with Alan, Alan is, is getting up and down the pitch. I thought Alan was very good when yeah. he came on. He was, again, he was fast. He was very quick in our counter-attacks at that stage. And as Paul said, we were sitting that little bit more deep, but boy Jesus, he was well able to get up the pitch and support yeah. the attack that, when it was going yeah. on as well. Did, did Joe Allen look good to you, Paul? He did, life, he did. Yeah. He re- he really did. Um, geez, I couldn't believe how small he was when I saw him in there. Uh, but, but, in Toys R Us with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, seriously. But um, the, his, it, he, I've always liked him. You know, I've never really been a, one of those people that sort of jumped on his case when, when he was getting no love at all. And he's one of those fellas that I think, but he, he does very basic stuff, but he does it very well. Yeah. And, you know, there's no frills about him. He's, but I think, you know, he was he was buzzing yesterday. He was up and down that field. He was buzzing when he came on yesterday. He did really, really well, I thought, too. Yeah. Um, he's one of those fellas that, you you know, is he going to be a starter when we're playing European nights? Probably not. Is he a guy that will come in and spell somebody? Absolutely. And is he a guy that's probably going to play, uh, you know, 60, 70 minutes on a Saturday before a European game? He probably is that, too, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, he's he's going to be a very valuable uh, piece to the, to the midfield puzzle for sure. Paul, absolutely fantastic to get your on-the-ground take on things there and really hope you enjoy the rest of the tour and we'll keep in touch over the season, fella. Appreciate it, lads. Thanks, thanks a lot, very much. And thanks for having me. Okay, we're very pleased to be joined by Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons, who'll be known to you as the lads from the Anfield Rap and the Writer podcast. And they are here to promote their book, Make Us Dream. So, uh, cynically lads, so, cynically so. <laughs> well, well we, be, we think that's proper order, proper order. Uh, lads, I know both of you do some fine scribing for, for the Anfield Wrap, uh, for the website. Was this something, this book, was it something you planned all the way through? Was it a planned enterprise or was it something that grew out of, of your own writing as the year went on or something that inspired you at the end of the year? Neil, we'll start with you. It, it's interesting this basically what happened was we sort of started talking about it around October and then you know it was the sort of thing you'd have a chat in the pub and say oh we should should we do a book shouldn't we do a book this season's a bit mad we've probably been knocking around long enough now to do a book um, you know look at all these other fellas they're all doing books yeah those cetera, fellas yeah. Uh, those fellas yeah I mean they're alright aren't they they're um, alright yeah yeah uh, but then what happened was I started to do those match review things and and um, we t- again talked to Steve and John and, and it'd be like no, we, you know this is something and then John said and I said to John basically I don't want to fully commit to a book because if we don't win the league, then we've, you know what I mean? It wouldn't, it might, might not be right. And John went, this season's been so brilliant, so mad, so astonishing. It needs to be written down. Yeah. So, you know, he very much talked me into it aggressively around mid-March. Is that right? I think it was about mid-March. Yeah. We should definitely do this. I think so. I think that's when we committed properly. Yeah. And, 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 we, and then from there, sort of like just started to make a note of things. And then I very um, aggressively wrote a list of 110 chapter headings <laughs> and, right. and told them basically get on with 40 of these, you yeah, yeah. That was how we got going. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's a perfect insight into how me and Neil work. John, there's a lot of mention of aggression there, fella. It's a little bit of a worry. <laughs> what, what could you explain to me uh, what your own thought process was behind it? Like, did you, did you find yourself browbeating, or was it you who was doing the browbeating, Gordon and Neil? I just, it just got to the point where, as Neil says, I, th- I thought it was, it was worth it. <laughs> I thought whatever happened, it doesn't, and I think, and I think, I feel even more kind of vindicated in that because, then I think, in a few years' time, or maybe in five, ten years' time, I think it's going to be difficult to explain to people just how mad this season was. And you kind of try and remember it, and you kind of try and put things together, and you say, "Oh, well, we had all these crazy scores, but then we didn't win anything." And there's obviously, I mean, Liverpool's a really successful football club, and we, you know, all watch seasons where you know ended with trophies, and and that's ultimately, you know, what you're in it for, but. But I think this season, I don't think anyone had more fun than Liverpool fans. And I, I, I mean, in the world, I don't mean there's a football 
group of football fans watching their football club who have more fun than we do. And then surely that's the actual point of, of you know doing it and spending all the money we we spend. I mean, you guys even more because you know you have to come over and things like that. So. I think I think ultimately, you know, there's only so many teams who can who can win something, and, and the rest of us, you know, are just trying to get as much enjoyment out of it as possible. And I think even more than you know, Man City fans or Arsenal fans or whoever, you know, who, who did get the, the, the trophies here, you know, I think I think Liverpool fans had the best ride, and I think I think that's worth documenting. And I think I think it'd be great to look back on in years' time and just you know, when turning the pages and just remembering that the, the, the crazy results and the amazing performances that went through and, and how we felt and it can, it does bring it all back it's done it for me you know and I wrote a bloody thing you yeah. know when you read it back it, it, it does bring back how you felt and you remember the nights out after and things like that and gives you a warm fuzz inside <laughs> it, it, it's a funny thing because, because so much of I think so much of modern discourse just to get slightly posh for a second so much of modern discourse is quite cynical it's quite, you know, it's very much it, it looks to pick holes and things modern criticism the same and I think that getting something which just Right, is about joy because that's what it's about. The book's about joy. Yeah. It's about how much fun this was. It, it, it is just, and you know, you read it now, and there's, 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 there's. I'd like to think there's analytical stuff in there, and I'd like to think there's, there's some insightful stuff about football in there. But it's primarily about a feeling of like you're on fire. You go into football matches and you're coming out, and it's like someone set fire to you. Someone set fire to every aspect of your body. You're flying into a city centre. You, you know, anything feels possible. Yeah. Uh, everybody's gorgeous. Everybody's fun. <laughs> you want to be around everyone. You want to hug everyone. You yeah. want to hug the people who aren't there. You want to hug the people who are. Yeah. And, and you want to hug Evertonians. And, you know, you find yourself, and, and Evertonians sort of want to be hugged by you because you got caught up in it for a month or two. And, <laughs> and the whole thing, you know, the city was absolutely pounded. And that's what the book's about, really. And, yeah, there's, you know, there's loads of, I, I say, I like to think there's loads of good football stuff in there. But that's a funny thing to write about because there aren't loads of people doing that. You know, practically everything that's written about anything, not just football, but, you know, about films, about music, about whatever, it's often people trying to sort of, you know, trying to find an angle or trying to find a point. Well, our angle, if you want to find an angle, is that was fucking amazing. Yeah. Well, if, if, if it was coming down to the idea of celebrating joy and just, you know, remembering the happiness of it, like when you were putting the book together um, and compiling the various memories and stuff like that, you must have uh, revisited all the various highlights. If, if I was to ask you, Neil, what was the most, uh, the happiest one of all of those mo- joyous moments? Is there one that stands out? Um, there's, it's it's funny really because there's 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 the moments which, for instance, um, there's the Coutinho equaliser against Fulham, which you know in hindsight's massive. It's absolutely obviously it's massive, you know. But at the time, I just felt like the release of a knee knocking anxiety. Uh, whereas, yeah. you know, that was all that one was. Uh, but then, you know, John always bangs on about Sturridge's fourth against Arsenal. I've just stolen what would be his answer there for you. But that's, you know, that, that's the way in which it goes. Uh, I think it was the, the absolute, my God, highlight in my head, sort of, is Sterling's opener against City. Yeah. It's just the the fact that he's you know he's he's, he's nineteen years old and there's I, you know I, I remember all the classic Liverpool uh, DVDs videos DVDs where you watch the official history of Liverpool and I think there's I think it's I think it's a dark leash goal where there's like the lads sliding in front of him eighties defenders who were overweight sliding in front of him and and as he just keeps dropping his shoulder and they're trying to get a block in for a shot that never comes and finally just puts it in the bottom corner yeah. and that's what Sterling was doing and it was right it was right in front of me in the ground and you know there'd be all everything building into that, and City turn up, and the, the, you know they the, the go on to win the league. But the the, the the main challenges at this point, and Raheem Sterling just does that to them, and that that for me is the one which, as I say at the time, I just thought. Yes, this is incredible. Yeah, well, absolutely. As sources and moments of joy goes, it's hard to beat that one, John. For yourself, which one would it be? 
Yeah, the Arsenal one that's been mentioned, but also the home Merseyside derby, just because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> just because... I think, like, another reason why it's good to kind of document seasons and the way we have is you, you can kind of forget a little bit of context, and context isn't the most important thing in the world. You know, Christ, it's, it's great to just remember how great things were, but going into that derby, there's a lot of people who thought Everton were going to beat us. Yeah. You know, we hadn't played great the, the, week, the weekend before. You know, Everton were on a good run. You know, they had... We had a couple of injury doubts. You know, they had Robwell coming back, and and people were people were a few people were, were worried about it in the Liverpool contingent, and the Evertonians were a little bit bullish. They were dead bullish. So going into that, and then and then just and then it was it was quite a tough start to the game, really. And then from Gerald's goal, obviously we just we just kind of tore them apart, and so. I think I think that for me was was was, was a brilliant night, and, and I, I, I watched. I, I was with all my friends in the ground as well, which, which always kind of makes it a bit better. So yeah, the, the home derby, and then started driving around the next day in his white Ferrari. <laughs> John, was was that the one? Had, had Everton won that day? Would they have been like two points behind us or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. going to be close, and that's what the really interesting thing about it, the, the Arsenal game is as well, because when we beat Arsenal at home, you know they were I think eight points ahead of mm. us at the time, would have gone to eleven. They were top of the league. They had the best defensive record in the country, and it's little little things like that you forget. And you know just just how kind of big those games were at the time. But yeah, Everton were right on our heels, and and you were talking at the time. Well, you know about there was still the debate over fourth going on by cowards. Mm. Who were, um... <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell a story? I'm going to tell a story. We were over in New York for the for the United game and the United away game was on, and we're on. We're on the, It's like you've got to get up at stupid o'clock. So we're on this train because it's a half one here, and so it's like seven or six. I'm just going to interject it here and point out that the the fans in America get up at stupid o'clock every week. We have to do it once, and we're still moaning about it. <laughs> yeah, we're still absolutely that, shocking about it. That's their so own got... fault for, for 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 living in stupid o'clock land. So. <laughs> well, I mean, we try to run a strong no blame culture, but you might have a point. I'm just other things. <laughs> yeah, you know, New York has got a bit going on. But we're, uh, we're, on the, we're on the train over from Brooklyn to Manhattan to go and watch the game in, uh, in, in, in the Legends bar that we're going to watch it in. And we're on the train and um, we're, we're moving along. And by this point, you know, we've gone on the run that we're on. We're, we, we look unstoppable. And Mike Nevin and, um, and Martin Fitzgerald are sitting next to they've, they've, they've contributed to the book and they're sitting next to me and John on the train. And they just start talking about how, you know, how many points behind us at Everton are the eight or the 11. What, what impact will that have on today's result with reference to Everton with what happens with us in United and all this sort of stuff. And John just turns around to them and says, what? Just put a fucking sock in it. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Everyone had nothing to do with us. We're only going one way. And they were going, oh, but you know, it could be a tough today. And John just went, there's no way United can beat us. So the train jaws open and we walk out. And as we're walking out, John just steams ahead and I sort of trot along and catch up. And he says, you're going to have to have a way with them too. <laughs> <laughs> Quality. Quality. Yeah, yeah. I'm liking these, I'm liking these aggressive John stories. Uh, <laughs> do you think, guys, do you think I have to ask, right? Because, you know, especially in the last couple of years with the ad of, of all the, the, the Twitter accounts, the websites, the podcasts, obviously the whole lot. But do you think if if we had been around, say in 9 we you know it would have been documented as well, and we'd have the same sort of memories as as, as the last season has given us? Or are they just two completely different campaigns in reality? When, when you look back at, especially when you look back at that one, I don't think it was it was quite the same. Personally, this year completely came out of nowhere. Really, I mean, we we came you know sixth, eighth, and seventh the last a few seasons you know we thought we were going to progress you know there were signs towards the back end of the season before well not just the back end of the second half you know that we were a good team and we had good players but I think it was just kind of so unexpected really to, to jump that much and to, to become a team so close to winning the league and also the results and the way they happened and, and the manner of how we you know we beat 
good teams, you know, especially at home. So I think, I mean, every so now was a good season. It was a great season. I enjoyed it. And, you know, it was, it's a real shame looking back on what, what happened to that team under, under those owners. But, you know, I'd, I mean, maybe maybe looking back, we, we might have might have done something around that. But I, I don't think as a, as a season it's necessarily comparable in terms of, you know, what what the football club achieved and, and the, the roller coaster that we went on. I don't know if you While we were writing the book, it sort of, we got to the spots where we had about 70% of the text of the book written. It sort of hit me when I was looking back over it and furiously trying to write more uh, that what we were writing about was reclamation, that there was the feel, this feeling that, you know, there was that something was being reclaimed, some sort of spirit, some sort of feeling was being reclaimed. Hmm. Um, and, and the thing about 0809 was it was still under Hicks and Gillette. Yeah. And there was still, you know, there, there was still issues knocking around the football club in a big way. Uh, for instance, you know, as much as we take the piss out of the Evertonians over the Arteta money, you know, the Robbie, we never saw the Robbie Key money again as an example of it from that, you know, from that period. And, and you know, I think that, that where does this, the, the last season of the season, and that, this, this is why I'm so desperate it continues, there was a huge sort of, you know, everyone was united in a common purpose. Everyone got right behind it. Every aspect of it, right the way through, everybody was just all in. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't for one second, for instance, say that the atmosphere for the four-all against Arsenal in 0809 was was worse than, you know, practically any given atmosphere mm. last season. You know, I'd, I'd say that they were they were mostly comparable from, from what I can remember. But the point being was that it felt like, and it's it partially that came out of nowhere. It's partially the nature of the manager. It's partially the the youthfulness of the side. It's partially that side sort of exuberance that it displayed. You know, all these things sort of added up, and I think that's why I think it just became. You know, uh, but there's, th- there's things I remember from 0809 that are very, very similar. I, a friend of mine once rang me after we after we beat United at home to one oh eight oh nine, and he rang me up and he uh, in the morning he said, "Oh, what happened last night? I can't remember much." And we had a chat, and he went, "Oh, my face hurts from smiling and laughing so much." <laughs> and there was loads of that last season, like the, you yeah. know, the number of times you'd still be Arsenal, you beat Arsenal five one at twelve forty five, and you're still going at one a.m. And, uh, you know, you're still going at 1am, going absolutely berserk, and then waking up the next day, and somehow, I just fear adrenaline, you're not hungover, but the only thing you can remember is your face hurts. I think Neil, sorry, Neil makes a really good point in that, in terms of OAU9, if you wanted something right about that, you couldn't have wrote a pure football book, and that it couldn't have just been about you know, what was going on on the pitch and what you were doing off it as, as people, you know, would have had to be so much context involved, so much in terms of what's going on with the owners, and Personally, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel like I was kind of best placed to do that. Really, I'm better writing about drinking. The, the, the day we beat, the day we beat United 0809 that morning, uh, there was a march. There was a march around Anfield. I yes. was on the march. There was a march around Anfield that took place before we beat United 2-1 0809. And you know, it's not to say for a second that everything will be rosy forever and ever now, yeah. or that you know there isn't still the odd question around what the owners are and aren't doing. But there's no march, and there's no need for a march, and that does not help. Because you know you go on a march and you'd be marching around Anfield and you'd you know I remember all this and you'd be walking past lads in uh, in beer gardens who clap you along and you'd be why are you marching? Why that? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense if you agree with it. But you're, you're you know and all that sort of stuff was still you know was still knocking around and people still had those feelings and and that makes it that makes it difficult. But but now you know that's that's gone. And but the thing I I make the observation in the book and I hope I'm right. I might be wrong. But I think sort of what a lot of that left now a lot of that because that's burnt away the sort of solidarity of purpose that was whipped up in that period is what's left. The beef's gone, I think. A lot of the beef's gone. Mm. But what's left is this sort of desire to say, we're gonna really enjoy this because we did all that and it was it was pretty horrible and you know, we you know we, we had you know we had the Roy Hodgson stuff, we had the reality of Hicks and Gillette, we had all of that stuff going on. 
And I think a massive reason why people just got behind it in the, way, the intense way they did was because we've done that bit and all the horrible bits of that now that have gone, we've purified it, but we've got this wonderful thing left at the centre, which is that we're not messing around, you know, we're fucking serious, we're, we're Liverpool Football Club and we've had to go through all this and now we're there. But Neil, if you, t- if you take it that, you know, um, as you say, there's been a reclamation of joy and that kind of happiness in going about what we do, which is just supporting the team. Um, <laughs> there's nothing like transfer season to ca- cause people to start pissing and moaning and getting sort of uh, agitated and, and fighting amongst themselves. So we've had it here. There's probably going to be a fight in the room even here tonight. But like, <laughs> but like it, it, you know, in in the wake, I know what a fan you were of, of Suarez like myself and I've, I've, I've written your stuff on him. Um, given that everyone's favourite mentalist is now gone, I mean... <laughs> is there the opportunity for us to dream in the same way next year, do you think? Yeah, I think there definitely is, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think, I think Suarez going, Suarez was a catalyst massively. I mean, you know, it's it split in all sorts of directions, but, you know, it's it Rogers' team. But I think a lot of what it did, certainly in the first half of the season, was hewn in Suarez's image. But I don't think there's any reason to think they're not thinking about the same thing that we're thinking about, which is the league title. But that's not what they're not the conversations that are being had in Anfield. It's interesting that you know a couple of the players have, have actually said it as and when they've signed. Now I think both uh, Jan and, and, and Markovic have, have gone out of the way to mention the idea of winning the league. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I think that I think that's the, that's the critical focus, and I think these, I think they still they're still all there thinking that they can really do it. And I think one of the reasons though why there is you know there's there's, there's bad tempered exchanges on it is one because there's always bad tempered exchanges, but two because everyone's so desperate for it not to stop. Yeah. Well, if everyone's so desperate for it not to stop, let's believe the footballers are so desperate for it not to stop. Yeah. Let's believe the manager's so desperate for it not to stop. Therefore, why should it stop? You're still playing 13 sides next season who, if we're all honest about it and we all look each other in the eye, are shite. There's 13 <laughs> really, really bad football teams yeah. in that league. you know. And, and every dog can have its day. They can all put a performance out the bag. But there's, you know, Liverpool will play 26 games they should win. And of those 26, you know, they, sh- they should win you know, 10, 12 of them comfortably, emphatically, the mm. way in which they won games last season. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, there's, there's any reason if, as I say, if everyone keeps pulling in the same, same direction, internally in the club, internally in the boardroom, transfer committees, and then on the pitch, if the, all those players address it, and, I, you know, for instance, I don't see Jordan Henderson running less. He did 90 minutes in the friendly the other night. Yeah. You know, it, I don't see those players running less, so I don't see why it stopped. Do you think it's going to stop? No, I don't. I agree with you. I think we need to get more in, but I think we, in terms of players, but I think we will, and... Yeah, so I don't, I don't think, I don't think the belief will have gone out of them. You know, as as Neil said, they seem very bullish. Even Gerard seems very bullish. I was a little bit worried about Gerard, to be honest with you. Bearing in mind what happened at the end of last season, and also, you know, the summer he didn't have a great summer with England it, for lots of different ways. But you know, he, he's come back very determined and making the right noises, and you know. Growing even more as a leader, if you like. Mm. The new guys are making the right noises. You know, Colo Torre is going to come out and say we're going to win the league. So whether he's here or not. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't. I was slightly concerned. You know how much, how much last season, how much that, what had happened at the end would take it out of us, and then that was before even Suarez thing. But you know, the, the players seem very happy. They seem very focused. And you know, Raheem Sterling, nothing in the world bothers him. You know, he just thinks he's dead. He thinks dead easy, doesn't he? Yeah, be great. I don't. The only thing that stops Sturridge scoring thirty league goals is his own fitness. That's the only thing that stops Sturridge yeah, scoring, scoring, scoring people, yeah, thirty yeah. league goals. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And when you think about that for a second, you know, there's not that many centre forwards in the league that you can actually say that about. You yeah. know, it's, it's easy. You know. It, Aguero, for instance, might be one of them, but you know, I, 
still don't think necessarily Arsenal have got that player. And if you've got a fellow who you, you look at and you think he could score 30 league goals, then you know you should be in any conversation about any silverware. Yeah. John, talk to me for a second about if, if we take it that we're going into this season now with a different kind of tension. It's, 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 it's less negative than it was. Uh, and we're reviewing what we can see um, in front of us now with the with the preseason and the new bo- the new boys coming in. The man uh, affectionately referred to as Benny Markovich by my mate Phil here, who <laughs> thinks he runs like Benny Hill. What did you make? What did you make of the new boys that we could see so far in preseason? I thought Markovich looked dangerous. I thought um, you know he's he's obviously still quite raw, but I thought you know he was he, he got at them. I thought he didn't he didn't really seem to know how they, how they want to defend against him. Um, he had probably had a little bit more space than he'd get in the Premier League, but still he looked dangerous. His shooting was maybe a bit off, but we kind of knew that would be the case because his goal record was not great. But you know he looks he looks to have a lot of attributes that that will, will suit how we play. Yeah. Um, I think Sean looks good. I think he looks very composed. I think he looks very at home. It's interesting that he started that game um, Sunday night because you know it looked like a kind of first eleven at mm. first almost, and then and then and then and then changes from there. So it's interesting. I don't, I don't think he'll start ahead of Coutinho when we start, but it's interesting that you know the, the might put, start at City. Yeah, he could do. Yeah, yeah. so it's interesting yeah. that they put him in there. Um, you know. I mean, he's probably not ahead of Allen at first, but it's interesting that he wanted to have a look at him playing there, you know, in the head of Gerard, because I think that is likely to be where he'll get, you know, more, more game time at this stage. While while Gerard, you know, still able to play most games, so I think I think it was good to have a look at him there and see how he did. I think he just, I think he's just. He seems to have a lot of belief in himself, and I don't think he's going to come to Liverpool and be phased. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think he, you know, he, he seems to believe in himself a lot, and and, and he kind of he kind of should be here. Yeah, and that's kind of. All we've seen really at the moment is, and I'm not. Well, Lambert as well, who I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sure about. But that's. Um, I feel like a bit of a, a miserable bastard doing no, that because I, everyone's so pleased for him. So, John, I think you have a point on, on Lambert. When we're talking about transfers later on with, with the lads here, I'll be sort of saying it as well. I, I, I think the guy is still in that sort of. Um, well period that he's playing for Liverpool because obviously it's the club that he supported since he was a boy and he needs to sort of snap out of oh wow I'm playing here for Liverpool and needs to, needs to get into getting down and just treating it as a job and, and doing the business on the pitch like for me he seems to be uh, you know a bit rabid in the headlights when he's on the pitch he wants to score but you know you have to put yourself about more and, and stop looking at it that I'm wearing the crest and I'm wearing the jersey it's about now acting in the jersey when you're wearing it as well um, I, I think the, the Chan thing is interesting because again looking at it you know I, I think he played there because Markovic is possibly not as defensively um, yeah uh, there might be something in that yeah. competent and, and he was covering that left side and, and Jesus he covers some amount of ground like I, every time you looked he was in the frame of the, frame of the ball so he's, he's got he's almost like an even more physical version of Jordan Henderson so that's really impressed me in terms of what it is <laughs> That is impressive. If that's even possible. It is. Yeah, I mean, those, those two, whoever those two guys are, they're going to have to cover a lot of ground next mm. season, and you know that's going to really help us defensively. So if you've got a, someone you know similar to Henderson who can do that, I mean that that helps the three guys in front of them as well. You know, sort of concentrate on on really on what they're good at. So yeah, it's an interesting point that. And Neil, uh, of the ones that, of the the people that we've seen so far, who's kind of make, getting you dreaming about next season? Is there is there one in particular, or is it the obvious uh, beauty beauty of Emre Chan, or who is it? <laughs> 
no, I think it's. I, I, I to be honest with you, I think I, I'm looking forward to seeing Lambert um, because I think I think it looks like he's got a look. He, he can play a lovely pass, and I love anyone who looks. He's like got he, a through ball know. in him, doesn't he? He's definitely got a through ball yeah. in him. So I, I like the look of Lambert, uh, but you know, I understand. That. I think he look, he's the sort of player to look great with pace around him. I can see there being the odd frustration every now and again, but then I think that's you know that's the case with practically every footballer. None of them are perfect. It's the nature of them. Um, I, I think that the use of Coutinho is interesting, but I thought that the back end of last season as well, Coutinho dropping a bit deeper, yeah. I think is really interesting. I think it's I think he's going to look better the deeper he goes. To be brutally honest with you, uh, because I think that he's going to be able to get on the ball more and influence more. Yeah. And I also think that the big thing from last season, which you know, I think we've we've nailed. Um, in a manner which I think that earlier on in the season it looked like only City and Arsenal had is having people in centre mid who can beat men yeah. and I yeah. think that's the big I think that's not been discussed enough really by the, a lot of the people who write well about about football tactics is that I think that you know you looked at you looked at you know at City last season they they would so often have lads in centre mid who could beat a man Arsenal when they were looking good at the start of the season had people like Ramsey who could just take one player out of the game yeah. by the end of the season Liverpool had Gerrard who can take a player out of the game they had Henderson who can take a player out of the game they had Allen who can arguably take two out of the game with the way in which he carries it and shields it in centre mid and then they had Coutinho and Sterling at times being at being you know proper midfielders in that area of the pitch and they can take two or three players out of the game and if you can take two or three players out of the game in the middle third then all you look up and see in front of you is, is someone like Daniel Sturridge someone like Raheem Sterling and loads and loads of green space and that is you know that's terrifying that's dangerous and mm. that's, that's the reason why you know I, I remain certain that we'll be you know we'll be we'll be breaking 76 points we'll be in the business end of it because if you've got that in your locker then wherever you go whoever you are whoever it is that you're up against you can terrify people. If you can take two, three midfielders out the game, then suddenly you've got a back four that is absolutely backpedalling at 100 miles an hour. And that's why I think, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's what I like seeing from the preseason games is we're not taking any backward steps from that. If we've got to put Coutinho right back in there, then we'll do that because that's the advantage it gives us. Lads, just on the flip side, who's, who's signed our P45s on this tour? <laughs> I, think, I don't think it's anything new, is it? I mean, it's all the players you'd have thought Quates is going to go. Uh, he's done all right, though, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought so, yeah. He's not going to get his games. I mean, that's the thing. You know, Quates is surely going to go. Well, with Lovren coming, we've just got too many centre-halves. And I don't think Aga not being able to play at the moment really helps him because I don't, I don't think the manager is generally sure we can trust him anyway. And, you know, mm. so I think... I think I think Aga's the, 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 the probably the biggest name who's looking, you know, less likely, less likely than others that he'll stay. I think I think Lucas is maybe playing himself in a little bit more in a funny sort of way. So I, I'm, I, I thought Lucas would go. I'm less sure now, but I think um, I think I think Aga's probably the biggest name. But we'll see. You leave. Mm. Yeah. Okay, lads. Really, really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, no uh, Neil and John. And listen, best of luck with the book, lads. I hope it flies. Yeah, come here, you. come here. It's, it's out, isn't it? Out everywhere at this stage, or and it's out. In, yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, it's, it's out. It's out everywhere. So, so around the world, you can get it. Um, just get on our um, Twitter, which is at Make Us Dream Book, and there's links to um, to buying it. But you can get it around the world on um, hard copy, and um, it's out electronically as an ebook just on Amazon at the moment but hopefully soon it'll be on um, all of the devices and things like that as well yeah it should be getting sorted out the ebook thing I mean we're, we're, we're absolute novices at this we barely managed to get the thing out uh, the other <laughs> thing as well is that we're so now we've recorded uh, two thirds of it as an audio book it's not like a normal audio book it's oh who have you, you got uh, doing the voice over there 
Well, no, it's, it's, not, it's us. Uh, <laughs> with one of the, oh, yeah? the fellas. I'm sorry about that. Are you hoping for Morgan Freeman then? I, 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 yeah, I was, was kind of hoping for Morgan Freeman, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, Samuel L. Jackson or someone. Yeah, that yeah. would be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> it was very low cost. The way in which it works is that we have a, we have a bit of a chat. We, we read one piece about each game, but then we actually have a chat about the game. So it's, oh, not, it's not like, it's much more of a commentary than if you buy the book, basically, you, there's still something in the audio book for you. And if you buy the audio book, then there's still something in the book, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you, we're only reading about 40% of the book out because one we're terrible at reading out um, <laughs> reading out yeah and two yeah. you know it's harder than you think you know yeah like, like, <laughs> listen, listen I know go, to be honest with you you're fine at the talk and I can hear you you know you think you're good you fancy yourself you want to go with the reading out <laughs> uh, so we, we, we know from Trev's outtakes <laughs> it's a shambles that it's a fucking shambles <laughs> ruthless that Trev ruthless I wouldn't stand for it mate. <laughs> all right lads Listen, thanks again for your time, oh, and no, really, really best. Nice to catch up, guys. See you soon. Yeah. Best luck, fellas. Uh, let's move on and take a look at the transfer activity of Liverpool Football Club over the last while. Um, lads, we're actually a bit shit at transfers, aren't we? I mean, we're shit at leaking stuff, we're shit at completing deals, we're shit at wasting time, we're shit at losing players in airplanes over the Atlantic. Uh, Jim, Jim Fishlock, we're delighted to be joined by yourself today, fella, as a, as a, a man who's organised a transfer committee on his own time there at one stage. Could you please tell me, uh, do you agree that we are shit at transfers? Uh, yes, we are. I mean, I've got family who've travelled from the UK to Seattle in America quicker than Liverpool have got two footballers. Yeah. And when the one's got there, he's not fit. Yeah. Now, bearing in mind, everyone says we've got the best scouts, we, we've got the best sort of people doing research into these players. We know everything. We know what they have for breakfast. They know how many times they go to the toilet, how many times they might pick their nose, everything. Yeah. But, but we don't know that Loic Remy has got a dodgy knee and a hole in his heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Every, yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah. What, so, so what, what, how do you explain that, Jim? I mean, we, we've been just been chatting about that there. It was one of the things I wanted to touch on. What the hell is happening there? I mean, that makes no I, sense. I have literally no idea. It can't be a shock to them. Yeah. Because all you've got to do is put his name into Google. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. And, we struggled with that before. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, look, apparently we can't even find the right interpreter for people. So uh, yeah. it's, it's just like uh, it's a combination of people who have no idea what they're doing and they're just muddling through it, which for such a, a, a large corporation, I suppose, as we are, to have people in, in that, those roles who can't do what would appear to me a, a simple task, really. Yeah. You know, if you're buying something... You know how much you want to spend. You, you've invariably sort of not tapped the player up. You've already put the feelers out and thought, how much will he is he willing to accept wages wise? If he if he asks for something or you you know is rumored that he's going to want more than what you're going to pay for him, don't bother going in for him. Yeah, I, yeah. you know I, I appreciate it's not as easy as it is on FIFA and it's not as easy as it is on Football Manager. Obviously, that goes without saying. But surely it's not as hard as we make it. Yeah, fair. Pa- Paul Brennan seems like an awful waste of two weeks to have invested so much time in this guy, and then uh, facts that were already known seem to be the reason why we've well, cut out. Just the simple fact is that it's a Liverpool transfer, so something has to go wrong. <laughs> like, they, even even if it was two weeks, like that's kind of that's quick for us wrapping up a deal. So obviously this has to be something else going wrong. So like you know he's on the plane over and gee, lads, any who's looked into his medical history, nah, sure it's fine. 
And then, you know, he gets there and they find out that he's failed fucking four medicals before. He's got a hole in his heart. He's got a I'm dodgy knee that's going to explode. I'm surprised he get travel insurance, to be honest. That's probably why it took so long. He had to do a stowaway in a fucking boat across the Atlantic. <laughs> it was a cruise, yeah. <laughs> He was on one of those tall ships. He had to wait for the round the world race dock to fucking Boston. Well, Phil, what are the committee doing? Seriously. I mean... Well, they don't have fucking laptops for a start. Yeah. <laughs> and if they do, they're using Bing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Like, is there any logic to it that you can see? I, 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 I'm, I'm lost at the logic at Remy. I, I am genuinely lost. And, like... I was thinking up until, you know, when the rumoured 16.5 million deals for Asidi and Barini were coming out. And I could accept that yet Sanchez wanted to go to Arsenal, you know, for lifestyle reasons or whatever reason mm. it was. And I said, fair enough, like you missed out on that. That's not, that's not a playing thing. That isn't a player issue. You know, that wasn't that we were prepared to meet terms. But then we went after Boney and suppose we met the agent and Hugh Jenkins was pissed off that we'd gone behind, didn't ask Swansea's permission because we were just going to activate his release clause which we knew was and that was all over the papers. This is another thing. Everything that we seem to do gets fucking leaked, right? Yeah. Or a version of what we're doing gets leaked because don't forget on the Remy thing they were telling us on Friday night that the deal was done that he completed his medical and they were just waiting for the paperwork to go through. Literally, like, I cannot understand how they couldn't have done like the first thing you'd imagine to do if I was if I was if I was looking after transfers in the club the first thing you do is definitely look into the medical background now you mightn't get the full medical facts but at least you'll be able to find out has the guy had previous issues with doing medicals for clubs um, is there anything standing there as a condition or is there an injury that we have to be aware of when we do the medical because surely you'll want to check that more than we want and it's not the first time this has happened because you remember Marvo came over a couple of years ago and he's meant oh, to go on a, on a family, yeah. and he failed you know the medical what, do you know what though Phil all I will say right in, in Remy's um, defence, mm. you know, it, obviously it's not his fault that he's got these conditions, but it's very similar to Demba Bar. He's failed medicals. Yeah. But honestly, I can remember. I can't remember any games he, he's missed through injury. No. Nope. While he's been at West Ham, Newcastle, or Chelsea, yeah. and I don't think Remy's missed that many. So you know, if we know that he's got these medical conditions, why are we even talking about a five-year deal? That was the other weird thing about this this whole deal. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was like it was literally the worst deal we could be doing. Now, Remy wasn't really that great a sign-in, and then to stick him on a five-year deal at 27 anyway, it, it just flies in the face of everything we've sort of been doing with our contracts and with our deals for everyone we sign. I, like, I, I, can, I can understand the logic in signing Remy because his goal-scoring record in the Premiership has been quite good in terms of been getting one and two. If you're looking for a similar player to Sturridge, who's not maybe at Sturridge's level or potential level that Sturridge could get to, you can see playing style, yeah, he can come in, he can do a job. If you want to rest Sturridge because he's carrying a knock after a Champions League game, you can bring Remy in, that's fine. I can understand the style thing and the whole lot. But it, it just boils back to this. You know, I, feel, I actually feel sorry for Remy because this stuff is all over the media that, you know, he's failed a medical and he has an issue with his heart and, you know, an issue with his knee and stuff like that and it's, it's very tough for the fucking guy because this stuff is, is, is out there they might not have put the exact thing in the paper but it's, it's out there now at the moment he's, he's gone over there obviously they've well look this is it it's, it's been there beforehand so they knew what they were going over so you can't I just think he's been treated fairly shabbily in terms of what's going on well that's what's incomprehensible about it is that the knowledge was there you've got poor old Harry Redknapp there now looking like a fucking bulldog sucking piss off and that he's that pissed I'm delighted from though and he's saying you couldn't meet a fitter lad I really don't know what's going on. He well, he hasn't met him yet, so he wouldn't fucking yeah, know the spoof and bollocks. He's the, he's the fittest lad you can meet, says Harry. To play devil's advocate a bit, like obviously there have been doctors that have passed them fit yeah. for medicals. So you could say maybe the club wanted to look at him. 
But like surely then that's one of the first things you get out of the way. Yeah. Like before you even get into personal terms, like you know you know his medical history, say, right, we want our doctor to look at him. Yeah. And if our doctor says he's okay, then yeah, we'll start. Like what's the point in agreeing absolutely everything and then like saying, but okay, come on. Couldn't, over. couldn't they have done that in Anfield? They did Lovren's medical in Anfield. I mean yeah. in Melwood or, or in Liverpool, wherever it was, right? Yeah. Could they have not, not have kept, if, if, they, if they had doubts about the, the, him passing the medical? Could they have not have done it under, you know, kept it fairly hush-hush, yeah. did it in Liverpool, if anything showed up then, nothing but gets out and it's like, it, it would have been still just a rumour that we were possibly in for Remy or we were considering other options and he was something and we, yeah. were, we, were, in per, we were in negotiations. If it doesn't come out then it's just, it was, look, we couldn't agree personal terms, etc, etc. He goes on his way and you don't get this massive splash and rubbish that's basically gone on in terms of, you know, we're talking about a guy who's, you know, who, who's gone all the way over to Boston, expected to sign, was, was being given the seven jersey. We knew he was being given the number seven jersey. Yeah. So there was, uh, there was definitely high hopes from, from Rodgers. So I I'd say, to be totally honest with you now, I'd say Rodgers is fucking hopping over this one. Because if I was Brendan Rodgers and I'd had Remy obviously in my plans, I'm giving him a jersey, I know what number he's giving him, I know what role he's going to fulfil in the squad. And then something that is a, that, that's pre-known suddenly stops this whole thing because we can't get the insurance whatever. It just seems a lack of pre-work that's done in this transfer. It's madness. Jim, talk to me about that idea of the leaks that are going on. I mean, as Phil says there, right down to the fact that we all knew he was getting to seven and there was massive debate about whether he was worth it or not and all that nonsense. We can't seem yeah. to do anything under the radar anymore, can we? Look, we, we all know there's one or two guys on, on Twitter who, who get a, you know, a little bit of information. Um... But the fact is, if those if those lads are getting a little bit of information uh, and from wherever they're getting it from, it's obvious that other people are going to get uh, little bits of information, mm-hmm. and it's obvious that those people, those other people, aren't as sort of uh, scrupulous as the as the lads that we speak to, yeah. and they're just putting it out there. Yeah. Now you know you can you can look at it one or two ways, can you? Can say, well, you know, if we're in for a big player and the player sort of like Leverin is is itching for the move, and we think it might be trouble dif- uh, difficulty working with the clubs. Then put it out there that we're in for him, and, and hopefully there's a little bit of a, a fuss kicked up like Leverin did, and eventually the deal will go through. Or you can look at it the other way: why don't people keep their fucking mouth shut, wait until the players got the deal done, yeah, um, signed on the dotted line, and then we can all talk about it. You know, the the fact that we know what squad number he's going to have and everything. I mean, you know, that's that's vital information, really. I would say that that's information that can only come. From sort of one or two people at the club, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. you know we've all we've all seen the Be in Liverpool documentary where he, you know Rogers and Allen are, are talking for about a week about what number he's going to have. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. he's, you know this has already been done and, and dusted, Remy, hasn't it? Yeah. So you know people might say, "Oh, it's only a squad number or whatever," but you know how, who are we to know these things until you know? I mean, Leverin didn't even have his number on his shirt yesterday. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, more more you know, chat about that today. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's only come through today, hasn't it? What number he's wearing? But you know, you might say it's stupid. But at, at the end of the day, people are getting hold of all this information, uh, and and we were told initially, weren't we, that the club had stopped it all? You know, we were you know doing things the Liverpool way. There was no leaks. Nobody was knowing anything until anything had happened. Hmm. But I think the only people who don't know what's happening are the people at the club. Unfortunately, it kind of looks like that, Paul. Um, the, the, speaking of the leaks, I mean, who the, who the hell are we going to go to next? The 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 big name. Being mentioned now is that Lacazette guy from Leon. I mean, and you can only presume because that rumour is out there that that's very, very real, and that's the, the latest leak. I mean, what? what who do no we? Idea. Who do we turn to? I have no idea. Like, is no. it going to be? A, <laughs> is it going to be a step down from 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 Remy? I mean, are you like? Wouldn't this be a great opportunity to show some ambition and go and just sign some someone proper? We've gone from Sanchez to just 
completely looking at you know kind of mid-table Premier League players mm. it seems so yeah, far we've seen that pattern before haven't we yeah, with like, McTarian there, I, I, like there was rumours there about uh, it came out about you know Royce probably unrealistic Isco maybe we could fuck money at uh, Real and get him mm. probably but like it just seems to be okay now now which kind of mid-table player we go for now because Sanchez is off the table like it just seems like the the kind of the standard of target is just falling off a cliff once that didn't happen Jim I'd, I'd, I'd ask you right because you, you, you guys did do, do, do this right you know it's something that, that I thought about last season as well our strategy always seems to be a bit hit and miss in terms of you know I never get the feeling that we have five targets right and there's a there's a hierarchy of targets so that if, if one falls through we move on to the next if the next one falls through we move on to the next and Comley used to get slated for being a, a, a gonad a walking gonad basically right but the, it is you know at the same time, he always seemed to put in a load of bids for players and always seemed to have a fallback option if one didn't because we always seem to be negotiating, constantly negotiating with different players. And I'm just wondering, like, I, I think we have two targets. The, the impression I get is that we always have two targets, right? Yeah. And when those two targets fall through, we don't necessarily have the next target lined up. And then it, there always seems to be a gap then. Like, we, we thought there was Boney and Remy. And we, were going in for, we, we went in for them. Yeah. And then there seems to be a gap. Now, there's the talk of the, the Lacazette thing, right? But like in reality, there just seems to be a void now because the Remy thing is falling apart. To say, yeah, like, they, remember they last always... summer we had Mkhitaryan, then Costa. Costa. And there was, there was the opportunistic kind of had a go at William, but he wasn't a target before that. Yeah. And then it fell off a cliff down to Victor Moses. Yeah. And we all know what happened, the pass against and, West Ham. And that was after like three weeks or so. Yeah. yeah. Your own thoughts on that, Jim? Well, yeah, I mean, you're right about Comley. And, and I always think, you know, if you have three targets for every position, you, you, you should be able to secure at least one of them. You know, you know, Conor Plianka in January, he was supposed to be the man. He, we were supposed to sign him and he was supposed to fire us to Champions League football. And if you're signing someone in January who's going to get you to Champions League football, to my mind, you think that not only can he get you there in six there. months, he can play there. Yeah. So why haven't we gone back to that deal? Because as far as I was aware, that deal was done and ready in place and he should have been there on the 1st of fucking July. Yeah. You know, yeah. but then, you know, we're doing, I was told when we were doing the um, the transfer committee thing that the times had changed and we moved on to, to bigger and better targets. Well, if our bigger and better target was Alexis Sanchez, who can play wide and can play through the middle, and then it's from him to Loic Remy, well, Conor Plianka is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So yeah. It, to me, if we got Conor Plianka and he's ready to come in and play in the league now, immediately it takes the pressure off Markovic. Because yeah. at the moment, we're looking at Markovic, and everyone's like, oh my God, he's got to play. And if he don't hit the ground running, we're, we're, we're in dire straits. You yeah. know? Paul, the, the, to, to further the point that Jim makes there, and he's expanded on what Phil was saying about the amount of targets, and the idea of ambition here. Look, we're, we're strongly linked again now with this Javier Manquillo guy. And, you know, you, you, you kind of assume that that's something that's, possibly going to happen now I don't care how many people come on Twitter and tell me that they, 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 they're very familiar with him because you know he hasn't played many matches and the fact is he's nobody knows a whole lot about this chap genuinely you know you can talk about scouting and all the rest of it but if he's our next go-to guy what's going on you know as Jim says if you don't if you don't get Moreno why aren't you in for Rodriguez or someone of a similar ilk? And especially the fact that it's a lo- like a month or a year long loan of a fellow who's Two. barely played. Two year long. Two year long. long. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, clearly, I know he's a right back and he's going to be covering for or coming in for Johnson, but whatever. But yeah, but like that is incredible that that's like yeah. one of the the first targets we've come out to 
for a right back. For a right back. Yeah. Like a year long loan or two year long loan for a fellow who's only played like a couple of games last season mm. for Atletico. Like it is just. But there's a, uh, there's a guy, Paul, who, who plays for Atletico ahead of him, Wanfran. Mm. Now, you know, if, if Atletico are edging their bets with Mankilo and thinking he might develop into something, they want to buy him back and, and sort of just let him go out on loan and get him back after he's developed at us. But why don't we go and get Wanfran? Why don't we put a big bid in for him? Yeah, so it's it's back you know, to the ambition idea again, Paul. It's isn't back it? to the ambition. Yeah, 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 and like I mean, I don't know. We could go off on one here and get really upset about it, but it's very hard to have faith in the fact that you know, be calm. This stuff is going on behind the scenes. Don't worry about it. Don't don't throw your toys out of pram when there's no evidence to the contrary. Yeah, and especially like I, I don't want to bang on about this like signing from mid table teams, but like, and I know people say trust in Brendan and trust the, that they know what they're doing and mm. they've scouted these players but the fact is that like we've lost Luis Suarez and like we, we are down a match winner because um, like Lalana and Lovren like that that's 40 million over 40 million that we've spent there on them and like we're, we're not even close to buying another, another match winner like Markovic obviously another 20 million for the future Origi is going back on loan like they we're running out of we still have a few positions to fill and like we are running out of time to buy someone who is really gonna kinda replace the the sort of quality that Suarez has. So we do have to show some ambition. Mm. And like I know people keep saying this like trust Brendan, these are the players that he wants. But like you you can't just dismiss everything by saying trust Brendan. Like if you if you're watching the team losing one nil and you, you and your mate are suggesting like, Oh, what we do what would you do now? Would you bring Coutinho on? You don't say, Oh, shut up you, trust Brendan. Like you, you have to talk about stuff like <laughs> yeah. this. Like, but also Brendan could see the feel good factor among the fans and he knows how important that is. Like he saw the fans lining the route way for the bus and all the rest of it. Like people would like a mad signing. Well, can, can, can I just say, right? If going back to the idea of trust Brendan, right? Yeah. So Brendan wants Remy. Yeah. Right? And that's that's who we wanted, right? And, and you're, you're we, saying it looks like oh, he was contradicted. And then we were then we we, we didn't deliver that, yeah. right? Yeah. So you know, it, it, it boils back to he said he's told him who he wants. Mm. He wants to be trusted. Now, if the guy is is if the guy can't pass the medical and the whole lot, and he thought there was going to be issues with the medical, it comes back to what I said. If if they thought there was going to be issues, then you keep that well under wraps, and you don't sort of allow the leaks to drop and the whole lot and you say look let's hold off on letting any of this leak until we get a clear indication whether this is going to work or not because if it doesn't it's going to come back in our face and I don't have an issue with us not signing them because we weren't happy with the with the, the outcome of the medical right mm. I'm I'm unhappy with the way it, it the stuff the way it was handled as opposed to what happened because yeah. you don't want like one of, one of the players that failed a medical for us before was Mark Vivian Foway you know and, mm. and, and they, they do show up issues with players that could have horrible consequences for both the players' health and, and anything further down the line. So you, you don't want to put yourself in that position either for, from a club point of view, you know. But I, I just said, it's just handled so badly in terms of the way everything has gone on um, that that's the disappointing fact because we're, we, we've been told about the transfer committee. We're told about we're much more, be- we're much more, more well-equipped in the market. And I'll tell you one thing, I'll give Ian a bit of praise on this because he lined up two deals together for Asaidi and Barini. Now, the players have, still have yet to go or have decided not to go, right? But he, he's managed to do, get them out there. He delivered the targets that have been set out in terms of Lovren, Lalana, um, and Chan even for, for his buyout clause. He needs credit for that. They got Markovic in as well in terms of delivering that. Now, he's actually done, if you look at the, at, at the speed of the business that we've actually done, it's, it's been quicker than we normally see Liverpool deals be done and you know he deserves a bit of credit for, for, landing, for, for landing those deals but he can only do the deals if the targets are lined up and they're identified mm. and they know exactly who they want now, well, this, this is where there's a, there's a problem though 
um, Phil, because even last last summer there was there was a, a disconnect with the, the committee and Rogers because the committee, well, we spent all summer looking at Papadopoulos, didn't we? The guy, yeah. another guy with a bad knee, couldn't pass a medical. Yeah. And then you know towards the end, then we switched completely where we needed a right-sided centre back. We switched. Sacco came into the market, or, or the committee had, had seen him and, and scouted him, and said we're going to get him. You know, there was all that talk of, well, Rogers didn't really want him. He, he was going to st- stick with Aga uh, and play Skirtle alongside him. Um, sorry, play Papadopoulos if we got him alongside Aga. You know, so that was sort of uh, a disconnect. Then we've had it again in January where we couldn't get the deals across the line. Again, you might say, well, look, it's down to that Ukrainian owner or whatever. But we left it to the last half hour. So, you know, again, you're, you're putting all your eggs in one basket uh, and you're at the mercy of, of one of these, you know, Ukrainian uh, lunatic owners. Um, and again, this summer, we seem to be working off two different um, hymn sheets, really. Mm-hmm. You've got the committee, who I think are purely looking at the future and are happy to spend money on players for the future. And then you've got Rogers, who, like you say, we all trust him. Of course we do. Mm. You know, he deserves that on the pitch. And he deserves us to be trusting of his coaching style. Has he done enough in the transfer market to say he should have full control over it? You know, I don't think so. So, as a fan, I'm entitled to turn around and say, I trust Rogers 99.9%. But that 0.1% of bringing in players, you know, I don't. Yeah, and I would- yeah. yeah. Paul, we, look, we're, we're going to... You always ship comments about being overly negative here, and it, it's possible that we're coming across that way here. But look, if you... We were, we were good and positive when we talked about the matches, though. We are. So that's, that's allowed. Like, but, but, yeah, there has to be, there has to be a, a yin and a yang. There has to be a realistic angle on it, too. And like, uh, what I want to talk to you about here is we've talked about the, the transfers coming in, and frankly, we're a bit shit at them so far. What about the stuff on the way out? Phil mentioned the, the deals that have been lined up for Barini um, and for Asaidi, and they seem to be hitting the skids a little bit. Um, both In both cases, what we're hearing, and again, it's what we're hearing, is that the player isn't necessarily happy with the setup. Um, Barini apparently wants to stay and fight for his place. The only one who's out of the people that we'd like to have seen out is Aspas. So what do you make of that? That side yeah, of things. Like, that's... It comes back to like what I said about Remy. It's just like transfers just generally don't go too smoothly for us. And for yeah. us to, to get offered the guts of 20 million for two players that we're actively looking to get rid of, yeah. like that's just that, that doesn't happen for us. So, of course, the players are fucking saying that they don't want to go. Like, I like, like, I, I do get like, a, and people are correct saying that like it is admirable that Barini wants to fight for his place, but like. And I can see why he does because he he was injured for his basically mm. his, his full season that he had here went and did well at Sunderland and now we want to sell him. Mm. This is all after he left Roma, like where yeah. he, he was doing really well. So I can see why he wants to set, fight for his place. But I think most fans are looking and saying, 14 million for him, we're never going to see an offer like that again because like there's there's not a club that wants him as much as Sunderland does mm. and is going to pay that again. So it is fairly annoying to see like that it's it's not going to happen and the same with Asaidi I think the fee that we're getting for him is really good yeah. considering like we bought him for next to nothing he's done next yeah. to nothing for us it's because of the year that's in it it's because of the payments that the club are, all the clubs are receiving and yeah yeah, yeah maybe but it is it, it is really you know like at least we have kind of got rid of Aspas because like, he <laughs> like I don't want to be too harsh when we used to play a lot of a lot of play out of position. It's a new league and all, but he was. And he had to take corners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the corners, yeah. I, I have to say, I, I was very disappointed. I didn't see anything from you on his medical photos. Did you see him? 
Did you see the photos of his they medical? Were, were he like he's, he, he looks actually, like he's dying. He, he, he actually looks like uh, well, Alexander Nikonenko. No. You know that the, oh, the Ukrainian was. spy who was yeah. radiation <laughs> That's who he looked like. He looks real sick. And if all. anyone was going to fail a medical, he would have thought it'd be him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He actually looked like he was in hospital. Yeah, Not yeah. that he was doing a medical. No, like. no, he looked like he was in hospital. He looked like he'd been in a traffic accident. He's going, yeah. I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't worry about me, man. Those shots of Neymar. Remember when he was in hospital? <laughs> during the World Cup yeah still alive lads <laughs> what do you think of Alberto do you think like he'll come back and play no because no? I, I think he's got a lot of ability I do, and like it, there's a lot of people like a lot of people have kind of dismissed him as this kind of player the committee signed but like there is a lot of people as well who think it was Rogers who really pushed them to get him and that's why we went so high for him mm. he seemed to have faith in him early on and then something seemed to yeah. happen it just went perfect but there, seems, there seems to be an attitude thing or, or, or a personality yeah, thing yeah actually you know? he was caught like pissed driving as well wasn't he yeah so you Which know you, ju- you just wonder you know like, but again I'm not going to worry about the lads that are out on loan who you know in real terms when there's still a lot, a lot more outs that needs to happen from that from the squad as well, but the outs are going to be reliant on us getting in decent replacements, and you know it's yeah. it's 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 this constant balance, balancing act, which we don't seem to be able to get right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and and that you know that that that's the key thing. We still look. In my opinion, we still need to ship Johnson. We still need to ship Lucas this year. We still need to you know, and then Marina, we're still heavy on on big earners. People say yeah. we've done well and everything, but if you look at that squad now, especially the squad that he's taken over to America. Mm. You know, you've got you're looking at Quates is in there, Rainer's in there, uh, Brad Jones. If we're still looking to sort of replace him with another keeper, you're looking at um, Lucas, mm. Daniel Agger. They're all, all rumored to go. They're all on decent wages. Glenn Johnson. You know, there's a there's a still a fair a load of players still available to him. Even though we've sort of strengthened our squad, now they've all come back off loan. It's, it's quite a bloated squad now. Yeah. Jim, talk to me about those, uh, about two of those guys in particular, Barini and Agar, who reportedly have returned home from the tour uh, to get With their the injuries. Medical staff after to what's their, going on? To, yeah, to <laughs> yeah. get their injuries treated, despite the fact that all our medical staff are out in the tour. What? what? Well, if they're all out on the tour, who did Leverance, uh medical yesterday? Well, that's a very good point. But there was no you picture know, you'll notice of Zaf. Well, no, no. Well, you know. that must have, maybe he flew to Boston. No, he couldn't have flown to Boston and got back. He'd still be working in the airport. Not if he was on Remy in the airport. If he was on Remy Airways, there's no <laughs> chance of that. <laughs> maybe they did the medical on the plane. <laughs> well, to wrap it up on a slightly upbeat note, how do you feel? Or are you optimistic that there's going to be some big mad wonderful signing coming in because I'd love to see someone a bit nuts coming into the club no I don't think we will sign you uh, don't no but that doesn't mean I'm being negative about it because I'm trying to stay as positive as possible I I don't think we're the sort of club anymore that signs big marquee big name players I think we're the sort of club that don't mind spending money on on players who fit the right profile and players who we think we can improve and turn into world beaters yeah Uh, and I I think that's what we're going to do and I'm happy with that to a certain extent you know there's no guarantee you sign someone you know for 50 million quid on 200 grand a week there's no guarantee they're going to they're going to you know, hit the ground running. There's no guarantee they're going to fit in. There's no guarantee that it won't affect the, the harmony in the squad. So, you know, the squad and the team, the team is what I'm sort of looking to be improved. And I, and I hope that, you know, come the 1st of September, we're all, all singing off the same hymn sheet and we're looking at a stronger squad and a, and a more balanced first eleven. And I think, you know, we can go and have a good season again. Yeah. Uh, Paul, what about you? Are you happy or optimistic that we might actually possibly get someone crazy in or some a big name signing that everyone seems to be calling out for? Um, I don't know. I'm with Jim. I don't think we're going to. I think we seem to have, you know, we've gone into the Champions League 
and we seem to have kind of used that status to spend kind of extra on players we I think we could have gotten anyway last mm-hmm. season rather than kind of trying to drive at some you know the higher bracket of players so that's what we've done so far really so I'm not I, I don't think we're going to get in a squad party. bolstering for you yeah that's what I, that's what I think it's going to be Phil how's your hope levels Ah, sure. It's fucking early in the window still, so we've got four weeks to go. So I'm, 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 I'm gonna fall on the side of positivity because Dave Thomas will actually knife us if we don't start finding some positivity again. So <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm gonna. I think I'm, I'm hoping. I think we might revisit the Shakiri deal mm. because of everything that's gone on, and I think we'll sign a striker. And then, uh, do you know what? If the, the, the if we sign Manquillo and we manage to revive the Moreno deal, yeah suddenly spirits will be lifted again because we'll have addressed the, addressed the fullback areas, right? Mm. Um, and then you can focus all your attention on the, the, the forward the options. The one forward position or two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, you know, you could even live with one forward if we went out and fucking made a mega splash. And I know the lads say we won't do, it's unlikely we'll do a marquee signing. I'm saying fine, but like, if we went out and spent 30 million on Julian Draxler, let's say, like everyone knows that this is the upcoming kid in Germany. So, you know, that, that would, suddenly everyone's juices would be flowing, you know, he, he scores goals, he makes goals he's direct he, he's aggressive do you know what I mean or if you bring in Lacazette and you revive the Shakiri deal again you're saying to yourself yeah now now we've got a re- we've got such threat Draxler deal Phil that, that's the sort of deal that we that we would do I yeah. would believe that we do that I wouldn't class him necessarily as a marquee signing but I would think that that's the sort of deal we'd be looking to do yeah, it's still under that umbrella of potential there and yeah. could grow with us yeah. as, a, as a footballer. And, and, we, and we, see, we seem to spend time, uh, well, our scouts seem to be at, at Schalke matches as well last year. So like, there's, there's a hope in me that we could still you know, nail someone like that and, and, and bring them in. And I think we, the money is there to do it as well. So what you're telling me is my hopes of Balotelli coming in and, 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 and shaking everyone up are gone. Christ, can you imagine Balotelli? <laughs> I would oh. love it. Just love it. He is an brilliant. Asshole. Him and <laughs> he's, he's an asshole. He's an asshole. You, you wouldn't like to see him. He's a lazy. If, if we yeah, sign Balotelli, I hope he lives with Enrique. The selfies will be oh, the can best you fucking imagine. ever. Could you imagine, imagine the madness? Fireworks off in his living room as, as Enrique top plays top FIFA topless. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're going Do for then. Manquillo and Moreno win, and then a failed bid for Balotelli in the last minute. Of the transfer window. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> right, Jim. Thanks a million for your time, man. Really appreciate that. Pleasure's all mine, guys. Take thanks. Cheers, Jim. Thanks, See you later. Take care. Take care. We finish with some admin as usual and we start with a mention for Astro Park. Five and seven aside football, this is your place to go. So if you want to get and book a game, get on to www.astropark.ie. You should get on our website for lots of deadly stuff to do and see and some amazing articles to read. No excuses. Just get on there, www.lfcdaytrippers.com. And finally, our competition winner who gets a Stephen Gerrard signed jersey is David Swords and that jersey is courtesy of soccerspeaker.co.uk and five times and finally your day trippers tonight were Paul Brennan Phil Casey and myself Trev Downey I'm the man with a plan (laughs) right right man with a plan I'm I'm going to come to you first on the on the on the uh, on this question it's just basically we're a bit shit at transfers and I'll throw that one at you mate so you can uh, you can get the ball rolling on this okay why are we shit at transfers? That is a good question. But that is. Okay, well, hang, on, hang on, let me introduce you, mate. <laughs> it started how I wanted it to go on. People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. 
like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69 or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.